0: Welcome to the Money Advantage Podcast, empowering business owners with the permission to think differently about money so that you can consciously choose to live a meaningful and fulfilled life now. Our passion is making money simple, fun, and doable, helping you feel great about your money and getting your money working for you so you can thrive.
1: Hi, and welcome back to the Money Advantage Podcast. Today, we're talking about average versus real returns, the ghost in the markets we're going to show you why average returns are misleading and why you can't take them at face value. We're going to take a deeper look at actual market returns over the last 118 years and show you what they actually mean. And then we're going to reveal how to take control of your financial future and not just hope and base everything on speculation and assumptions that are not even accurate. So we're your hosts, Rachel Marshall and Bruce Weiner. Good morning. Welcome, Bruce.
0: Oh, Rachel, average versus actual returns. We're going to talk about the stock market. People are like getting either really <laughs> excited or their stomach is turning. Um, especially, <laughs> exactly right. Yeah. Especially if, um, they, they listen to this podcast soon after it is released in a few weeks. Um, uh, so this is, this is going to be very interesting to people. And I, you know, we always talk about mindset and thinking differently and. I hope people hang with the podcast. We might get a little more technical, but really try to 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 think about what we're saying. And you can actually think about it in a conceptual way and a mathematical way. Uh, Todd Lankford, we know from Truth Concepts, uh, I was listening to a podcast he was on last night. And, you know, Todd always says, even in every uh, person's mindset, there's a little bit of truth. To what the mathematics is telling them that reinforces the what they they think. And and he was using the example of uh, a 30-year mortgage. And people are like, Well, I'm paying a lot of interest. And that is true. The truth is you're paying a lot more interest than you're paying with a 15 year mortgage. But that interest that you're actually paying gets eroded along the way because of the time value of money or inflation. And so the, so there is, a, there is a mathematical truth that you are paying, but what else is coming into that truth as far as what a person thinks going down the road? So we're going to talk about that. And I just want people to, to actually try to put on their thinking caps and think about this both mathematically and conceptually.
1: I love that you said that. And I think sometimes we're led to believe one thing. We think it's true. And we're going to really dig deeper into that today and uncover what the truth actually is and then how it applies to you in your life. And so, yes, I hope you'll hang with us through this conversation. Um, This is really interesting timing. Um, We're really coming on the heels of the market being down in December. We are potentially, some people are talking about bracing for a crash. There's a lot of volatility, even just in the first couple days of January in the markets. Um, And so really looking at this and saying, what does this mean? for me if I'm wanting to control my life and my financial destiny? So today we're gonna answer, what do market returns mean for me? What returns should I expect? How do I calculate them? And what should I do to take best control of my financial future so that I can build time and money freedom? So you're gonna get the tangible facts and concrete evidence to form your own opinions and chart the course of your own financial destiny. And the challenge with that is that certainty often may come from doing the exact opposite of what everyone else is doing. So where does this fit in the big picture, Bruce, you touched on this a second ago, you mentioned mindset, and that's a really key place. A lot of times we think that when we talk about the market, this is just about investments, which also fits into the cash flow system. I mean, first in the cash flow system, we keep more of the money you make, and then you protect that money, then you make more through investing. But it's not just investments we're talking about, we're really coming back down to the foundational area of mindset. So we're looking at how do we approach the idea of market returns with the right awareness and the right mindset. Because if you have the wrong mindset, your investing efforts are going to crumble. So let's go ahead and jump into this conversation. Um, First, Bruce, I want to just highlight a few of the things that have happened. In December, there was an article, we're going to post all of these links, but there was a Reuters article called US Retirees Try to Keep Cool as Stocks Tumble. This was published on December twenty-eighth, And really just talked about stocks in December um, were, it was the worst year for stocks in a decade. And that's kind of hard to imagine. But at the same time, there's just been a lot of change and market drop at the end of 2018. So there was also then three major US stock indexes have tumbled about 10% just in December alone. That was weighing investor on, it was weighing on investor minds. There was also the US China trade tensions. There was a cooling economy. There was a rising interest rates. And so all of that was saying that we're on track for the worst December since 1931. Mm -hmm. That's almost in 100 years. And so really, we're looking at with this volatility and the swings that are happening even in early January. It's really a good time for us to point out what is that ghost in the markets? What is that thing that is this? unnamed, this felt tension that we have when we look at what we're getting in the market, what we hope to get in the future, but really being able to try to pinpoint what is our actual future performance going to be? Because none of us have that crystal ball to really predict it.
0: Yeah, I was I was watching a podcast, well, actually a video of uh, Kiyosaki uh, last night. and um, Oh, interesting. he. His and we espouse this too, and maybe we got some of it from Kiyosaki, but we got a lot of it from a lot of different mindset. He was just espouses control, and um, mm-hmm. he was on a PBS special, and he was talking about lack of control, and he was saying you would never drive a car without a steering wheel because you have no control. No right. You would never drive a you would never drive a car without brakes. You would never you mm-hmm. would never drive a car without the ability to speed up and slow down. You would never drive a car without the ability to actually have been taught how to do it uh, driver's driver's <laughs> ed. you would never drive uh, a car without insurance. And he said, to prove that, how many of you would lend your car out there to somebody that didn't have insurance? <laughs> and <laughs> right. he said, well, so I, that proves it." so it, and then he said. What what ends up happening is your financial advisor, which you know I I am I'm on securities license also, and but we always tell people when they say, well, what do you think is going to happen in next year? At our firm, we always say we don't know. We want mm-hmm. we have no idea what's going to happen next year. But a lot of financial advisors, we think this is very, is very unique with us because a lot of financial advisors say you ought to go into this, you ought to go into that, and Kiyosaki actually had a crystal ball on his show. And he's looking at the crystal ball. And he says, I think you ought to do this. And he goes, that's the equivalent of taking the the steering wheel off the car and just totally losing control. So what you're doing with your money is you're giving it to a system in which you have no control. And we, we, my wife and I currently don't own any stocks. We did own some UPS stock because she worked for UPS and she got stock options. And I was always amazed because I would follow it. UPS would predict in the, let's just say the third quarter, that they were going to have a price per share of $1.34, and then it would come out that they only made $1.33. So it, they actually still profited, but they missed their projection and the stock would drop. And I always thought to myself, how does that make any sense? You're actually, a, uh, you're moving forward, you're a profitable company, and yet you, ha- you miss your projections by one cent. So my point is, is that, we are not trading on foundational things. We are we are trading on emotion. And the reason I'm going oh, yeah. through all this is when we're going to give you these numbers, these, act, these uh, average numbers, these are also taken in consideration that you stay in the market the entire time, that you don't try to time all the right. market because you got emotional about it and you pull it out. And, you know, I have, I have friends that joke around that, you know, they always, they always buy high and sell low. And that's just, that's just the way it always seems to work out. And the reason it works out is because you have no control of knowing where it's going to go. So I want people to, you know, to think about that these are actually, I'm just trying to preframe this. These are actual numbers of averages that presume you get in the market at a certain time and you stay in the market the entire time.
1: Absolutely. And just another piece that I want to bring to the table with this, and this is really congruent with what you were sharing with Kiyosaki, but if we're in a position of a roller coaster ride, we go to the amusement park for that thrill because we love that thrill in that scenario. But that is the absolutely wrong way to focus on building a financial future. That's terror. That's terrifying when you have that lack of control. And now certainly with a roller coaster, you can at least probably trust that more than likely it's going to, you know, the roller coaster is not going to come apart at some point and you're not going to fall out of the machine. But at the same time, that that type of thrill ride is not what we're really looking for in our financial life. We want to be in a position of control where we can see the future. We have predictability. We have stability. We have cash flow coming in and we have confidence for the future. Mm-hmm. So Bruce, I would love to first talk about what those returns are and what they have looked like um, that you have done some research on and then talk about why the returns in the market are not exactly in alignment with what most people's perception is if you ask someone what do you expect your returns are going to be in the market I mean what what do they tell you Bruce I, I usually hear numbers like seven 8%. Yeah, I, eight percent
0: yeah eight eight percent is Is pretty well it was very common. Eight to ten percent was very common before the Great Recession. People would always just espouse, Mm -hmm. oh, I just know that if I if I stay in the market for the long haul, I'm supposed to get eight to ten percent. And now though, people have have been burned, they've touched the stove too many times, and now they say, you know, I think if I can get anywhere between five and seven percent in the market, I'll I'll be happy with that so mm-hmm. people have changed the way they look at things what what's funny is i um we have forgot the pain though because for the last 10 years every year i i do reviews people's mindset keeps changing more and more it keeps inching up more towards the 8% where you know in 2009 10 11 when we, when the, the the recession was still very fresh in people's minds you know they were mm-hmm. wanting to pull the money out, and you know I, I don't care if I only get one percent in the bank. Um, I just want to get one percent. But what people don't realize mm-hmm. is when we look at when we look at the market average rates return, and and they're allowed to actually report this in a in a perspective or in a, um, a Yahoo Finance or wherever you look at it they will actually report an average uh, rate of return. So we did a little research and uh, at our, at our uh, E3 Wealth. And we did a little research, and if we look back at the S&P 500 from 2016, the end of 2016, all the way through the end of 2017, that's 12 months, It was one of the greatest years that the S&P had ever had. It's 19.4%. Now, that that was the average of being in that particular index. The uh, gain, though, from 2017 to 2018, and that... uh,
1: And you mean the end of 2017 to the end of 2018? Well, actually,
0: I was going to just say it. I actually mean from the the end, 1229 of 17 to October 1st of eighteen. Uh, just nine months, it was also up uh, 9.4%. Really, really good. But then from October 1st to the 24th or the, the Christmas Eve, when we finished this research, which was the, which was uh, three months, approximately three months, the S&P dropped 19.6% on average. So you, you can Ouch. see a lot of volatility in that because we're talking about the The end of 2016 to the end, close to the end of 2018, so almost 24 months. We went from up 19.4, up 9.4 for nine months, and then dropped 19.4, dropped for only three months. So then we went back just a little bit further and looked at the average return from the beginning of the fifth uh, January 1st of 2015 to the end of December 31st, 2018. So 48 months, the average annual return for the S&P was 5.04%. Now,
1: Interesting.
0: Yes. so I know people always say, well, see, I told you, if you stay in it long enough, you're actually going to get about 5%. And I would be happy with that. The problem is, and this is what we talk about all the time, is when you get into the market is as important as when you get out of the market. So if a person would have, a person would have gotten into the market just this past October, you know, somebody somebody starts a job, got a brand new job, and they start putting money in a 401k in August. And then they, mm-hmm. they check their 401k because they put it in the S&P index. And they checked their 401k in just uh, three months, they would be uh, down almost 20%. So,
1: Which that's terrifying. Well, <laughs> it's a terrifying time to start. And yet at the same time, we can't predict this in advance. You couldn't have known the market from August was going to take that type of a downturn, especially, I mean, you could say, well, we're in an upswing. We're looking at 19.4% the previous year and and 9 uh, 9.4%. I mean, you would be looking at, well, we're in a good time frame to be able to start investing, but that's not usually correct. Well,
0: I, what I find interesting, and then, and then people are going to say, yes, but then your dollar cost averaging. And for our listeners, that means now that if you keep putting money into your 401k, you're, you put the same amount of money in and the stocks are down, you're actually buying more stocks. And so when they recover... It's actually better. And, and there's some truth to that. So, and once again, there's some truth to that. But let's go now. Let's go all the way back to uh, December 31st, 1999 to December 31st, 2018. So 19 years. When we did this study, the average uh, return on the S and P was 2.85%. 2.85% over a 19 year period. So now when people say, well, I'm in it for the long haul, what does, that, what does that actually mean for the long haul? Because if I'm a 65-year-old and I'm retiring, and I, and I retired in December 31st, 1999, and I in the next 19 years, I got 2.85%, well, but that was, well, <laughs> now this is a really good time to bring this part in. That is not net of fees so there's no there's no right. there's, I was gonna yeah, ask there's you no advisory that. fees in this, and there's
1: meaning meaning that these numbers have not accounted for advisory fees which would further reduce correct. that return
0: so and it, it it could reduce it by quite a bit and you know somebody might um charge you sixty five basis points or point uh percent so they might charge you one and a half percent depending on how well you know your relationship with your person and how good your are let's just say it's 1%. well 1% is an annual amount. so if you're 2.85% minus your 1% annual amount you're at 1.85%. and then we're we're not even talking right. about taxes and you know i don't know if this is in a brokerage account or if this is in a um your s&p is actually in your uh 401k or ira account which then that's ordinary income so that comes out if it's if it's just in a brokerage account it's it, we have to figure capital gains, which is 15%. It could be as high as 20%, depending on how, how your tax, how high you are in your uh, your taxable income. But we know you also could be paying just regular ordinary income, which will once again, erode, erode this. And over a 19 year period, we have not figured in inflation in all this. So,
1: which is generally always going to be higher than one point eight five percent, so you're not Correct. winning <laughs>
0: and so now that now that we've established you know kind of this volatility and this this idea of average, what we also need to bring in now, I guess is uh, talking about actual rates of return,
1: Bruce, as we bridge over into this, I think the main key that's really important to note when we are discussing average and actual is that average is a mathematical calculation that doesn't mean a lot in reality. And here's what happens. With a mathematical average, you take the return from year one, the return from year two, the return from year three, the return from year four, you add them together, you divide by the number of years, that gives you an average However, when we're talking about an actual return, what we really are more concerned with is what amount did I put into my account and what is it now? And over that span of time, what is that return divided by the number of years, which then shows me how much I've actually gained per year. So Bruce, you said a lot of times these um, accounts are showing the average. Unfortunately, average doesn't really mean a lot. And I want to share something with you on this. So, when you have a loss, it tremendously outweighs the gain. So, it, you would think if we're talking about averages, a 10% gain and a 10% loss are going to average out to a 0% return. But that's not the way it works in actuality. So, a a gain is good, a loss is very difficult to recover from. Here's how it works. If you had imagine you had $100,000, in an account and you lose 10%, your account is now down to 90,000. If you had a gain then of 10, 10%, so that's going to be your zero average, a gain of 10% is only going to bring that account up to 99,000. So you're still missing. You still have not even broken even and got back to your hundred thousand. You're going to actually need an 11.111% mm. gain to recover back your account value. So what's interesting is then as you flesh this out, and Bruce, I know you and I've both looked at the numbers and there's a really, really telling chart that we're going to make sure we post in the show notes because this is extremely impactful. If you lost 50%, Bruce, what do we need to recover from a 50% loss?
0: When a 50% loss uh, happens, then what people think is, well, let's just use real numbers. So we go to $100,000. And you lose 50%, you're now at uh, 50,000. 50, 50, so, in order to get back to 100, you have to make 50,000, which is a 100% rate of return. And people don't realize right. that. You're actually, you're, whatever you're invested in has to give you a 100% rate of return. And, but when you look at the average, then you're, you're actually have a 50% loss times or plus a 100% gain, which, which is Mm -hmm. 50% over two years, which is actually it's 25%. So it's
1: 25% average. So the company then could say we have averaged a 25% rate of return over the last two years. And they would be accurate in saying that because it did average that. However, it's really misleading to think that you actually got a 25% increase each year because broke you didn't, even. you just broke even and you're really at a 0% actual yes. rate of return. So I hope that coming across clearly for our listeners, I know you're not looking at the chart right now. Again, we will make sure that we have that posted in the show notes, but this is why it's really, really important to decipher what the numbers actually mean. I just want to take this one step further because it's almost ridiculously overwhelming in in the reality here. So if you had that hundred thousand, you lost 90%. So you're negative 90, you're down to... in your account. You actually need a 900% gain to recover from that. Now, if we average those numbers, negative 90 plus 900 is 810. Divide that by two years, you had a 405% average rate of return in that account. And you're just breaking even at zero with a 0% real rate of return. So This is why it's really important to know that average really doesn't mean anything for your actual performance. And remember those losses are very, very difficult to recover from.
0: Yeah. And um, this is, this is for informational purposes only. Um, There are the other things that can affect, like I already mentioned, you know, uh, dollar cost averaging, um, uh, uh, reapplying your dividends uh, in your portfolio will Mm -hmm. change. But they're not going to change, uh, these numbers significantly when they're very, very low. Or the next part, which is, which is also related is what if you have to take money off of your, uh, particular capital or your balance in your, uh, portfolio to live off of? So it, the example I would like to use is if you have a $1 million portfolio and it loses 10%, and you use 5% of the balance for your retirement income, you know, to pay the bills, that means your por- portfolio isn't down 10%. It's actually down 15% of the total. And the amount needs to be made up in order to ma- maintain your principal balance or, it, or you're going to erode your principal. So the $1 million minus the 100000 market loss minus a $50,000 withdrawal equals only 850000 Thousand dollars. So now you need a eight. You need a one hundred fifty thousand dollar gain on the eight hundred fifty thousand, which equals seventeen point six percent return to get back the one the one million dollars. So let's just review. We thought we only lost a a ten percent drop in our portfolio, but because we also had to take the money off of it to have to live our lifestyle so we we actually had to have the market gain seventeen and a point six percent to make up for the the ten percent loss on our portfolio. So once again, these averages uh, are very important, but actual uh, over a one year period is what people really feel.
1: Absolutely. And I love that you pointed that out because our mind can easily go to, Oh, the, here's the average rate of return of the market over a long span of time. So I expect that average in the future. So that's what we think will happen. That's what we feel will happen. But the reality that actually occurs in our account statement is the actual return. And that's the disparity. That's where our estimations and our guesses and our projections for what we think are going to happen in the future don't end up anything like what our actual experience is because of those two numbers being completely disparate. And here is um, two different 30-year periods if we look at the S&P 500 price index. And this is according to pinnacledata.com. So from 1971 to 2000, the average rate of return was 10.51% whereas the actual return over that span of time was only 9.28. So, it still was fairly high, but there's a difference between the average yeah, now, and Rachel, the actual. Before
0: before you go to the, the t- next one, let's just make sure people understand this. So, the actual was basically your money in it for that time period. And when you when mm-hmm. you because you can't you can't add and subtract um averages to get at the the actual what they're saying is your money only went up 9828 percent instead of 10.51%. Uh, but I want to say that in yes. all actuality, that is truly not even the actual because we haven't figured in the inflation over that 10-year period. We haven't figured the taxes that you have to pay in, and in any advisory fees um, that you had to pay during that, that time period. So that will bring that actual rate of return down even further.
1: Absolutely. And there's one other piece that will bring that down further. And that's that most people don't invest all at once. So if you put all of your money in all 100,000 in right in the year 1971, and you experience this sort of certain rate of return over the span of time until 2000, that is this actual rate of return of 9.28% before taxes, before fees, before inflation, that's what you would have experienced. However, you probably didn't put in all of your money in that 1971. You probably put in 3000 one year and 4000 the next year and 5000 the next year as you were saving and putting money away. And so each dollar amount then over time did not have the full capacity to gain the full return. So you're not going to experience the same growth over time when you put money in incrementally.
0: That's true. And, and, but you can also, um, just mysteriously or by, uh, dumb luck, that actually can be good because you could put 1500 in in 2000 when the market is up and then it goes over a 10 year period. And then in 2000, the market, in the next year, the market uh, drops. And you actually um, can buy a lot more stocks for that amount of time. And then people often refer to that once again as dollar cost averages. Mm-hmm. But that's that. I think we're going to put this in the show notes too. What you're going to see though, it's not, it's not the time in the market, but the time you get into the market. Yes. And there are significant times over the history of the stock market here in the United States that if you got into the stock market at the correct time, then you can go a 20 year period where you actually double your money. And heck, even more than double, there's, there's some time periods where it actually goes up by 200% in a 20 year period, um, which is a great time. There's other times when there's a 20 year period that you really don't make anything um, over that time period. So it's not the time in the market. People say that all the time. Well, it's, it's how much time you spend in the market. The that is that is true in certain times that you have gotten into the market. At other times, people have gotten into the market a certain time they've stayed in it for twenty years and they haven't got ahead at all. And that's that. Once again, is because they happen to start putting mo- a majority of their money in when they when the stock market was high and then it went down and took a long time to recover. I was really shocked that the S and P went during the research. I mean, I, I knew that they called the 2000s the lost decade, but the S and P was at 1480 something in 2000. And, you know, today, if, if we look at it, it's somewhere around, um, I can pull it up real quickly here. It's somewhere around 2500. So over that 20 year period, it's, it's went up a thousand points and a thousand points on. Um, fourteen hundred is a seventy-one percent increase, but seventy-one percent increase divided by twenty years, it's only a three and a half percent average over that time period. So, once again, that's that's not net of fees, that's not net of taxes, that's not the, and and that's only an average. That's not an actual. Mm -hmm. So. When you start looking at all this, you know, Warren Buffett is famous for saying, you know, there's only two rules about money is um, don't, don't ever lose, lose <laughs> don't lose money. And rule number two is refer to rule number one. Exactly. You know? So so that's really, really only one rule of money is don't lose money.
1: And I think um, we but, really highlighted why that is when we realize how much losses really eat into those gains and how great a... Uh, a huge volume of recovery you have to have to recover from that loss.
0: Yeah. And, and, you know, people all the time say, well, why, why are you guys espousing this? Because it it does seem like, and it's not just us. I mean, there's a lot of people across the nation that are, are talking about the stock market is not what people really believe. Mm-hmm. Well, when you're, there are some reasons for this, um, you know, our government got into the idea of the investing when they started the IRA in the early 70s and then um, gave us a tax break in 78, 79 for the 401k. So a lot of people say, look, look how the government's getting involved. It must be pretty good. Well, they they forget about the lobbying that goes on uh, in our in our government. And then they also forget about the fact that, you know, if you can espouse like our our current president does and all the other president look how well our stock market's doing because of me. Well, oh, sure. it, there, there gets a, there gets a false sense of security that, Oh, well this must be good. And then on top of it, then you start talking to either your parents, your next door neighbor, and they've had done well, their actual, re- their actual returns were well because of when they got into the market mm-hmm. and and that is not necessarily what it's going to be when you get into the market. So it all yeah. comes down. It's it's amazing on our vocabulary. It all comes down as who's in control and what are you actually in control. of.
1: Oh, I love it. Actually, it's just interesting as you're talking about a few things. I want to talk about Crestmont Research because they've done some mm. really, really unique research in showing the returns every single year. But not only the returns for that year, they also show for every year that you entered between 1900 and 2017 was the last year on their data point. So for that 117 year period of time, if you kept your money in for one year, two years, three years, four years, depending on when you started, what exact return you would have had actual, not average, actual return based on the actual performance of the market.
0: Yeah, and, and, so and it's it's great it's in the Rachel because it's it's exactly what we just said. It's when you get in. They can show in. you like what period you got in and what yes. you could have expected over the in the next five, 10, 15, 20 of actual rates of return.
1: Absolutely. And what I think is most interesting, and we're gonna post the one of the main charts that we used as we were doing some of this research, but there's multiple different charts. You can look at the the actual returns, and then you can look at them based on whether taxes were included, if you were in taxable accounts or non-taxable. But the most telling part of the chart is that there's a line that goes diagonal across this chart that shows the 20-year mark of getting out. So from whenever you started, what that 20-year span was for getting out of the market. And what's interesting is that we don't all have an indefinite timeframe. I mean, we start and usually 20-year span is a good... Time frame that somebody 's thinking of from the time they really start contributing to thinking about retirement or their future to the time frame that they 're going to want to withdraw money. what was interesting is as you look at that twenty year time frame, there was not very many years that it made sense to withdraw your money at the twenty year period of time. What was interesting is that if you really stay in it for the long haul the the numbers really evened out more so around the 60 to 70 year mark. Most of us don't have that kind of a timeline to keep our money in. So when we're looking at a shorter window of 20 years, staying in it for the long haul, those 20 year spans, 20 years is not a long haul. Oh. <laughs> and what's really interesting that we were talking about, and Bruce and I were just really looking over in this one particular chart that does show the impact of your real returns. They do account for dividends being reinvested. They do account for transaction costs and your management fees. They do account for taxes being taken out of the final investment. And then they do account for the real rate of inflation as well. And what they do is they color code all of these returns. And you'll notice that there's certain chunks, large chunks of years that if you entered the market during any of these bad years per se, that it almost, no matter how long you stayed in the market, you could barely recover from and get above about, what was it, about a, above about a 3% yes. return. So when people say, well, I'm expecting to get a 5 to 7% rate of return, a real rate of return, and actually realize that in my account, this chart will show you, as it's color-coded, you'll notice that there's very few years that if you pull your money out at the 20-year mark, that you're actually going to get in that range. And I wanted to point out...
0: Yeah, the worst the worst 20-year uh, period was from 1961 to 1981, where, where the real return was, the actual return was uh, minus 2%. And I certainly remember that mm-hmm. because this was an influ- influential time when I was growing up, and we had tremendous amounts of inflation at that time. And uh, turmoil throughout uh, Throughout the country, and we were taking off the gold standard, and it was it was a tumultuous time in the country. So I can understand that. And then it says the best ten years was from 1948 to 1968. Well, if we remember that that time period, that time period was right after World War II, and you know we, we could argue that one of the reasons that that was the best time period was. Um, we had all kinds of people coming back from World War II, and gov- there were government programs that were actually uh, supercharging the uh, economy because of of uh, getting people to to actually purchase homes very easily. They were we had the GI Bill where people were going to college on it, so on and so forth. So even though that was actually charging the stock market up. Because the economy was humming so well, it actually caused the worst period from sixty-one, in my opinion, from sixty-one to eighty-one, because of of all this supercharging of the business cycle. And Robert Murphy would talk talks about that all all the time. So the best was eight point four percent when you consider everything, uh, taxes, um, inflation, advisory fees, and the worst was from sixty one to eighty one which which is actually negative two
1: so when you look at the chart and any twenty year span beginning in nineteen hundred all the way out to now, and you look at if you withdrew your money at that twenty year mark, what return would you have received? If we're looking at anything over seven percent, there was only eight years out of the ninety seven time frames that had over seven percent returns. That means about eighty nine years the actual return was less than 7%. So just, I think that that's really telling because it means, again, it depends on when you start and when you leave the market. If you happen to be in one of those approximately um, eight years that were good.
0: Congratulations.
1: Exactly. But if you happen to have started your money at a, one of those other years, one of the other 89 timeframes that you possibly could have started over the last, you know, 100 plus years, you would be in a position where you would be withdrawing at less than 7% when you factor in all of the fees. And it's impossible pr- to predict that in the future. That's not a position of control.
0: Yes. And it's it's interesting because we talk about this all the time. Um, when people come to us and say, you know, I'm thinking about an annuity. What do you think about an annuity? And we bring up sequence of returns. And the reason that a, an annuity uh, actually helps is because it, it smooths out the secrets of return risk. And that is exactly what we've been talking about the entire time is that if you retired in August this year and you took your portfolio and you needed $50,000 out of it for the next uh, 12 months and all of a sudden it dropped Nineteen point six percent. Well, now you're taking the apps the taking the money out at the absolute worst time period. and the your likelihood of success is going to be very, very low because of the time you started taking the money out. So there are two time periods that uh, you actually have to worry about, and that's the time you get into the market. And the time you take the money out of the market. And Andy Tanner, who's a a rich dad poor dad coach, he says the very people who preach against individual investors timing the market are at the same time asking us to time the market thirty years in advance. Because (laughs) they're actually saying, "Is hey do this because start putting your money in and then it's going to grow over this time period." And we've already talked about we have proven. Uh, by looking backwards that if you put money in at certain time periods, that it doesn't mean you're going to grow your money uh, very much over that time period. So you're, you're actually timing the market. Um, So it comes down to lack of, of control again.
1: And the really interesting thing about that is even if we can look back in the past and say, here's the historical Actual or average rate of return, that does not mean anything going forward. So you'll notice very specifically from the Crestmont article, if you look just, if you just swipe your gaze down from the 1900 down to 2017, you'll notice that there's chunks of time where you'll go through bad returns over, over your 20 year period. And then there's chunks of time that you go through good returns. So if you are coming out of a good, Period of time. I mean, Bruce. Even just as you were talking about earlier, looking at from 2016 to 2017, the 19% return. Well, we could say, well, we had 19% average rate of return in the last year, so therefore we're expecting a 19% rate of return going forward this year, and we'd be completely inaccurate. So even if we can be very exacting about historical data, that really doesn't apply forward going into the future, and that doesn't mean that we're going to have that exact prediction going forward.
0: Yeah. And, um, you know, we're kind of beating up the securities industry here, but the insurance industry, <laughs> the insurance industry actually uses the security industry for some of its annuity products, uh, you uh, within index products, um, you're not in individual stocks and bonds, but they actually credit it to the index and they do the same thing when they do their illustrations. They say, looking back over the last 20 years, or they'll say the, the best 20 years, you're going to get this return in your annuity or your worst 20 years, you're going to get this return in the annuity. Now, the, the great thing about the annuity, it also says if you don't get any return, this is what you're guaranteed to get. And,
1: and they're able to make the guarantee because of the stability inside the company that they're able to give you a guarantee regardless of the performance of the market.
0: Correct. They're managing the risk. That's very That's very true.
1: I love that you brought that up because we really want to be in as much control as possible. And when we mean control, we mean understanding your financial situation and knowing how to proceed then going forward. And so what do we do with all of this information? I mean, we've thrown a lot at you. And if you are uh, invested in the market and you're already on the fence of wondering if you should – Not be in the market, or if you would rather be in a position of more control, we hopefully haven't um, scared you half to death with this podcast. But what we're really looking at is how do you gain a better position of control? How do you put yourself in where you can actually predict what your future is going to look like? And I would say that that's not by passively investing and just saying, Well, I'm going to hope it all works out and I hope all the fund managers are accurate and I hope that the market does better next year and in my 20 year span if I start now. We really want to have a lot more of a determi- we, of determination of where we're going to end up. And so what we would say about that is recognize that we're talking about investments that have a risk. Now, every investment you put money into is always going to have some form of risk. That's the nature of investments. You're going to have some type of unknown that you cannot completely quantify, but you can minimize that by investing in things that you know and you control. And a lot of people also, you'll hear talking about having tangible physical assets that have a value that cannot be completely vanished, that can't completely vanish if something goes wrong in the market, that can't just evaporate. And so, when we're looking at having substantial assets, things like businesses and real estate that have some intrinsic value to them, but they also, if you are knowledgeable about the asset class you're investing in, You can minimize the risk because you can, as Kiyosaki was talking about, you can steer it. You can put the brakes on. You can move your money out when you see that it's not headed in the direction that you want it to go. You, the driver's ed course that you mentioned earlier, Bruce, is fantastic because you don't want to go into any investment and just say, well, I'm just a passive investor and hopefully this works out for me. You really want to be in the driver's seat and saying that you've studied the asset class. You understand what you're going into and you're able to invest with control.
0: Yeah. And, and as we finish up, we finish up this podcast, Ray. So I think as our business owners who listen to this, and this is, you know, this is the, this is the information we want to get to our business owners, not just individuals, but why are you taking your profits from your business and putting them into set by Rays where you are, you become a, a passive investor and just hope that the person that um, you are giving your money up to, is going to do a good job when, when just like Kiyosaki says, your financial advisor doesn't know any more than you know, um, because it's been proven over and over. It's not, it, it, it's almost luck when you actually put the money into the market. So,
1: right. absolutely. So we would
0: say to you, is, is there other places to store that wealth that you get a tax-free return, which we espouse uh, whole life insurance contracts. And then also that money can stay in the business when it's needed to actually grow the business. And now you're the active investor in your business and you grow your business larger. And, you know, I can hear I can hear it in my headphones right now. There's there's business owners out there saying, yeah, but I want to retire. And I say to them, well, OK, we, you can retire by selling your business and your business will be worth more if you keep the money in your business rather than outside your business. Into a SEP IRA because you can actually, and you, I shouldn't say because, but, and you can actually uh, design your business to run without you being an active person in your business, but actually just overseeing your business. And actually that frankly makes your business more valuable to a buyer in the future when they see they don't have to be in the business on a daily basis. So all these things come back to control. So my ending part of this is control. You want to be able to be in control of your money and what what is happening with that money. And that, and that is to try to provide as much guarantees that you personally are in control of.
1: And that also comes back to cash flow, because if you're just looking to put money in a asset that's going to accumulate, hopefully, according to average rates of return, and you're going to then divest that Chunk of money at the end, you're not going to be in a position of control because you can't guarantee the value of that account when you do quote unquote retire. So instead, we want to focus on cash flow. We want to figure out how do we get those streams of income coming in, not completely passive income. There's no such thing as a 100% passive investment. But at the same time, how do we get into a position where we have assets that are producing cash flow and then we build more and more assets that produce cash flow? So we mentioned that investing is involving risk and you can minimize that risk by knowing and controlling what you invest in. There's another category of what you do with your money and that is money that is safe, it's money that's savings, it holds value. And Bruce, that's what you're talking about in terms of how do we have this store of value that is our money that's liquid and accessible and growing for us, but it is not going to drop in value or be subjected to market rates. And so that's where we look at combining safe money with investments in a process called privatized banking. And that helps you not only maximize your returns, but minimize your tax, increase your cash flow, and increase your control and put you on the path to time and money freedom. So this has been a hopefully eye-opening episode for you today. And we invite your questions, your thoughts, your feedback. You can go ahead and email us at hello at with any questions on this. Um, we'll also have the show notes posted on themoneyadvantage.com. You can comment there as well. But we would love to hear your thoughts and feedback. And in closing, remember, success leaves clues. So model the successful few, not the crowd, and build a life and business you love. Do you have an established business and make great income, but feel like you can never get ahead, or just plain have financial confusion? Get the business owners three-step roadmap to achieve time and financial freedom without working harder or sacrificing your lifestyle. Go to themoneyadvantage.com/roadmap to get your roadmap and free training. And when you register, you'll also get access to our ultimate money finder cheat sheet that you can use to recover lost cash flow and save on taxes.
0: Thank you for listening to the Money Advantage podcast. Today's show notes and resources are available for you on themoneyadvantage.com. If you like this episode, make sure you subscribe and leave a review. If you have any questions or desire to speak with a qualified financial professional after listening to today's podcast, we encourage you to reach out to us at hello at themoneyadvantage.com